0: Hi, and welcome back to The Scent Podcast, where we look at today's culture and society with kingdom perspective. Today, we're going to finish the series on Battle of the Minds.
1: Yeah, today we are going to be talking a little bit about temptation and also doubt.
0: Yeah. The first thing I want to say about temptation is that it is not sin. That it is an opportunity to either choose God and grow closer to Him in victory, or Failure, which is an opportunity to learn and grow, even though it worsens your relationship with God in the moment. I think every time that we are tempted, it can be easy to feel like we've already fallen to the sin, which is just not true. But I want to kind of go through the ways that the enemy does tempt us before we head into any answers. So if we look at uh, Matthew where is it: Four:: Matthew, Matthew four?: Do you have it?: I do. Okay. Can you read it?
1: Okay. This is Matthew chapter four ESV version. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said to them said to him all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me then Jesus said to him begone satan for it is written you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve then the devil left him and behold angels came and were ministering to him
0: it can be really easy to look at this story and just go oh it's Jesus Satan trying to tempt Jesus, what a silly boy. Like, it can just be easy to kind of glance over this story without looking at the seriousness of the temptation. Satan didn't just show up on day one in the desert and be like, hey, Jesus wants some bread over here. He waited for the 40th day when Jesus would have been the most hungry, when he would have desired to get out of that uncomfortable situation the most. We are going to be attacked the strongest, when, our, when that temptation is most accessible, when that temptation is most convenient to fall into. And so as we continue to desire to walk in victory, desire to walk away from that temptation, we have to first know that the enemy is strategic about how he attacks us. It's not just some random, ooh, I'm going to plop that thought in the head right now. There you go. He He's waiting. He's like a prowling lion. The Bible says, waiting to attack your heart and your mind. And we have to be aware that this is a strategic battle and a spiritual battle.
1: Now, there's a video on YouTube uh, by Impact Video Ministries, a really great video. I'd suggest you watch it where they talk about the five ways to deal with temptation. And I'm going to share them with you now. Step one cry out. In the first moments of temptation, uh we we talked about this in a previous episode when we talked about uh about temptations regarding sex um in the first like one second of a temptation coming your mind you have to uh, your your decision has to be against the temptation otherwise you will as soon as you fall into the the thought of the temptation you've already decided to do that to do that thing so if your first response is to cry out to god and ask for help. Uh, in Galatians it says, "Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh." If you, if your initial response is is crying out to God, uh, it's a is a great way to rid yourself of the of those thoughts. Uh, step two, flee the scene. Um, I think to uh, the story of Joseph when he's when he's a servant of Pharaoh. And his wife, it's Pharaoh's wife, tempts Joseph to to sleep with her, and his response isn't to think about it or talk with her, try and reason with her, or say say his side of the, his thoughts, like oh we probably shouldn't, you know, your husband would be pretty upset. Like no, he just he runs, he gets out of there as fast as possible. And I think we can, if we were able to do that, if we were able to, as soon as we get tempted, flee the scene, like if a uh, revealing scene on a movie turns on to immediately shut off the TV. Like if if we had this response we would it would help us so much by fleeing from temptation. And also don't be casual about these temptations. When these things pop up, like I'll use the example again of the of a revealing scene in a movie. Like if we're like, oh okay, you know, it's just one, it's not so bad. And you know, it's like okay, well, I just won't look and whatever. If we're really casual about it, become more comfortable in the temptation and we'll be okay with it more and more. And the more you are tempted by it, the more likely you are to give into to it. So don't be casual with it. Don't treat it as a small thing like it's a big deal. Rid yourself of it. Also, like apps on your phone, like if you're really tempted on social media, just get rid of it. I know it seems like a big deal, but it's not worth your relationship with God. It's not worth the relationship with your family if that's affecting your um, relationship with your spouse or whomever. Step three, talk to somebody you trust. Look to somebody who, who you know, who loves you, who, who will help maybe even keep you accountable. And, and maybe not just one person, even even two other people. There's power in numbers. So if, if you are fighting this fight of temptation, not just on your own, but with others, it makes it so much more powerful uh, to, to fight against it. And number four, Remove the triggers uh, with boundaries. There's all kinds of things that we, all kinds of situations we put ourselves in that make us vulnerable to temptation. Decide to not do that. I mean, there's, it's kind of funny because nobody plans on ruining their life. Like nobody, (laughs) like nobody plans to make a poor decision and wreck the, the rest of their life. Nobody plans to do that, right? But do you plan to not do that? We don't actually have a plan to not wreck our life, to not make poor decisions. We need to have something in place where if if these situations come up where you can make a really bad decision, like you're with your boyfriend or girlfriend and nobody's home and you're, you're alone in the bedroom... Like, like you need to plan against that. You need to set boundaries for yourself to plan against those, those really poor decisions. And step number five, consult wise people. Um, now I don't mean like self-help books. Talk to somebody face-to-face who's gone through this stuff, that's overcome it, or, or like whether it be a counselor or a mentor of, of some sorts. Talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about. Uh, and is able to give you a piece of wisdom now these steps are are they're great uh they're not perfect they're not gonna solve all your problems with temptation that's kind of only something jesus can do but it's it's a really good plan to get in place uh to not give in to these temptations and we need to take our thoughts captive um from these from these temptations. It says in second Corinthians, for the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ.
0: Yeah, I like that verse because we named the series Battle of the Minds," and we so often lose the warfare aspect of what is actually going on. In that verse you mentioned, it talked about strongholds. Everything that we put out, every action we make is as a result of our heart. So if our heart is put in the right place, if we put our heart in the right place, we're going to make the right decision and vice versa. Now, the thing is, is the enemy wants to attack our heart. And as we give into that temptation, it can create a stronghold. And this is the exact same as the army term of stronghold, where you, you sneak onto the enemy lines and you take a small portion of that area And you now operate out of that area to try and spread to a different area. That's, that's how honestly the battle in our heart works. The more we constantly don't come out victorious, we allow the enemy to take over a piece of that heart. And if we're not careful it can continue to spread from there. It can become easier to fall to it next time as he gains more and more ground. And we need to be very careful that when we mess up, that we repent and return to God afterwards, that we allow God to take back that ground in our heart so that we can come against temptation next time and come out victorious.
1: And those those five steps, um, like I said... They're they're not perfect. What I I want to go back to that story you were talking about in uh, in Matthew there when, when Jesus is tempted. I love I love what Jesus does his, his what his initial response is like. W- we look at that. Um, not only did Jesus know the word of God, like he he knew it off by heart. Um, the response as soon as as soon as the devil tempted him, he said he said, "It is written." That's his first response. And I think that for us, we should be in a place where we know the text well enough to, as soon as we're tempted, it's like, okay, it is written. Now, not only did Jesus have to know the text, like he didn't just have to, it's not just memorizing something, uh, not, not just memorizing text, it's not just getting it in your head, but it's also trusting it. Like he had to, he had not only to know the text, but to trust the word of God. And we are called
0: to trust the story. Uh, but I also want to make clear that doubts are also okay. Faith is not believing something you know isn't true. It is trusting in what you have reason to believe. And our, our culture often sees faith as a word for when you have no evidence. Christians often use faith as an excuse to not ask the hard questions even. Uh, but faith can't be built... Without a foundation of reason. I I just want you to picture this. Okay. You and I go out for a nice little coffee or tea, whatever you prefer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And you tell me, Alec, I am $100,000 in debt. And I go, oh, hey, it's no problem. I have so much money, I'll cover it for you. It's no problem.
1: Wow, thanks.
0: Now you go out, it would be pretty dumb of you to just never pay any payments towards that debt. And when anyone asks you, Oh, why aren't you paying? You just say, cause Alec told me he's going to pay it. It's ridiculous. There's no reason for you to believe that I even have the money in the first place. I work for a church. Like, <laughs> I don't have the money. There's no reason for you to believe it. So it's ridiculous that you put your trust and faith in me to make those payments. And it's the, it's, it's very similar with God. We have to have a reason for him to be real and then we put our trust and we put our faith in him based on that reason. St. Thomas Aquinas talked about the intersection of faith and reason and he says that God has given signs of credibility such as the miracles through Jesus and the consistency of the church through two millennia and the teachings being consistent for all that time. There are reasons to believe and then the faith part is the things that we can't see that are built off of that reason. 1 Peter 3:14 through 16 says, "But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect." having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. It is a balance of both. You can't have one without the other. In James, it says that even the demons believe that God exists, but they tremble. So they don't believe in God, the faith side of things. But faith without reason is built on a weak foundation. So we need to make sure that we have a reason for our faith, and that we are actually operating in that faith as well. It's
1: kind of two sides of a balanced something. <laughs> yeah. And we see doubt as a sign of weakness all the time, which it's not, it's not necessarily that. The, the problem is is when the proof of our faith is believing without a doubt. So then the moment a doubt comes in, our faith falls apart. Right. And so totally like what, you, what you're talking about with with having a reason to our faith rather than just blindly believing just because if you believe you're saved, we, we will crumble when, when doubt comes in. I, I, I want to look at a very popular uh, story in the Bible about doubt. When John the Baptist, he, he's in prison. Uh, so a little context: He's in prison for standing out against King Herod, who was having an affair with his brother's wife, and and basically John the Baptist said, "Hey, this is wrong. You should not be sleeping with your brother's wife." And he's like, "Well, in prison with this guy, so he's in prison." And and John sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him if he is really the Messiah. Or if he should be waiting for someone else now now, in the Bible, it's pretty clear that John the Baptist and jesus had a had a really good relationship. I mean, he baptized Jesus in the Jordan River uh they were related like they they had a relationship, and he and John at one point fully was into into Jesus being the Messiah, and now he's sitting in prison I'm sure th- thinking of these. Uh, the the prophets that would say that you know he'd set the captives free yet here he is in prison a family member of of Jesus and he's thinking like well I don't know is this guy really the Messiah or or should we be looking for someone else and he sends his disciples to Jesus and and when Jesus sees the disciples they ask him they they give the message from John and and say well Jesus are you the Messiah or or should we be waiting for someone else and I love that Jesus didn't just turn to them and say, how could you question me? I mean, we've been together through it and now you're doubting me. Are you kidding me? No, he like, he met him where he was at. He said, look around the lame are walking the blind. See, tell him what you see around me right now. I just love that. Like, it's not something like we, we don't want to just shove the doubt out of the way and push it down the road and, and not, not think about it we pray into that take that as a as a time to turn toward Jesus like John he based his circumstance in, in his faith he started to doubt when he got into a really poor circumstance but what i love is that he is that instead of turning away from Jesus like it would have been so easy to just you know what can't be him and just turn away, but no, he turned towards Jesus. And I think we need to take the opportunity in our doubt to not view doubt as a weakness in our faith, but as a time to turn toward Jesus and dig into it because doubt is where you grow.
0: Yeah, using it as an opportunity like temptation where we can let it pull us down or we can allow it to motivate us to grow. When I was uh, in my Bible school, I was prepping a teaching on doubt. And the three main ways I have to deal with it is step one, being honest with God. Not putting on a face for him, not still praising him with words you don't mean. He knows your heart. He isn't fooled by fake emotions. Be real. Bring him your problems. Step two, remember what God has done. All throughout the Bible, it's a theme to look back and remember the miracles he has done in your life, in others' lives. He has and will continue to show up. And we need to remember that in times of doubting as well. And step three, ask the hard questions. Bring them to the light, like you said. There are 2,000 years worth of people who have asked similar questions. And even if maybe your leaders don't know them or the people in your life don't know the answers, I guarantee someone else in the past 2,000 years has had a similar question and has found a way to continue to grow and build their faith despite having that question. So don't let it discourage you. And so kind of wrapping up this series, I want to leave it with that. Whatever negative emotions you're caught in, that's not God's will for your life. He has given ways to overcome it. Trust in the word, have faith in him, built off reason. And that's actually where we're going to shift into the next series, is having a reason for the faith, where we are going to talk about other beliefs, why we believe what we believe, building up that foundation. So as we walk in faith, we're not shaky, we're not wobbly. So, yeah, check out the Instagram at the scent.podcast. We appreciate you listening to this week's episode. Peace out.
1: See you next time.